from Chicago, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Raj Nation, founder and chief pitch artist at Startup Hype Man, where we help startups, scale-ups, and grown-ups not suck at how they pitch themselves so they stand out to their audience and stand apart from the competition. This podcast is all about bringing you the hearts, the minds, and the stories of leaders in the startup ecosystem talking through the strategies they have deployed in order to build and grow their companies. And it's officially season 17 of the show, and all season long we've got a special treat for you, bringing you guests exclusively from the Startup Hype Man client portfolio, giving you a piece of their journey. Before we begin, if you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And remember, you can catch all the episodes from our 17 season archive and learn how to pitch your startup at StartupHypeMan.com. All right, get your popcorn ready and get hyped because it's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, making her way to the microphone from Hyde Point and currently residing in Hyde Point, North Carolina. She is the founder of Masters of Ring Entertainment. Please welcome Bambi Weevil. Hey, that's an incredible intro. Good job. Well, I feel like, you know, you, you, you put on a show where other people get that introduction. So if you come on my show, it's only fair that you get that kind of an introduction. Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> having me. Of course. She is, once again, Bambi Weevil. All this season on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we are featuring different founders who are within the Startup Hype Man client portfolio. We have the honor of working with Bambi and Masters of Ring Entertainment uh, not too long ago. And Masters of Ring Entertainment is an independent wrestling promotion, which if you know me, you know that that whole category is near and dear to my heart. More for short, Masters of Ring Entertainment, more wrestling has had some of the most legendary names in the wrestling business appear on their shows. The likes of WWE Hall of Famers, Trish Stratus and Amy Dumas or or Lita, as she's more popularly known. They've also had Larry Zbysko, Jeff Jarrett, upcoming shows featuring the likes of Kurt Angle, AEW star Penta El Cerro Miedo and the Steiner Brothers. These are heavy hitters in the wrestling business. And if you're not familiar with pro wrestling, I'll tell you, any pro wrestling fan will know not only all of these people's names, but they can tell you at least five different matches that they can recite in their head that they've seen these wrestlers compete in before. And the topic that we're going to talk about with Bambi today is something that even though it's 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 kind of like her her experience within the wrestling business, I think everyone can relate to this and apply it to their own unique situations in the startup journey. And that topic is building relationships with hard to reach people. Bambi, why is this on your mind and why is this important to you? Um, because, you know, it's not always easy to break into a business, you know, um, especially for me as a woman, you know, I'm still a minority. I'm a minority of a minority. I'm half Asian. I'm half Caucasian. So, you know, uh, especially in wrestling where it's very, you have to be in the circle in the family and you have to earn trust before you even start. And then at, even as you're going, you're having to prove yourself. So like, it's very important. I've spent my whole career doing this. So it only made sense to do it in pro wrestling. Now we're going to dive a whole lot more into this topic, how you've been able to, you know, carve your spot in the industry and make these connections with what is really a closed door industry traditionally. Before we get into all of that, let's learn a little bit more about 
Bambi, the person. And what I want to know off the bat here, Bambi, is your first pro wrestling memory. Ooh. Oh, well, I mean, as a fan on TV, I remember growing up watching Glow, Gorgeous Ladies mm. of Wrestling, right? Uh, watching WCW, NWA. Um, I was a child of the 80s, WWF at the time. But my first true live event memories were going to Raw in Fayetteville, North Carolina, when they were doing the marathon TV tapings. So seeing uh, stunning Steve Austin at the time, Ringmaster, ah. go in and just whip it you know all these matches in a row for king of the ring tournament this was like around 96 or whatnot um so it was incredible time to be a wrestling fan and i was very fortunate to grow grow up with my family who watched wrestling so this was our we had you know our family time was pro wrestling and nfl football like that was our thing right so um i had that background my sister same thing for her she grew up loving it so we we're very fortunate you know one of us could have broke off and said oh wrestling's stupid you know but that didn't happen we as many people People, you know, hit a point in their life when they hit like 14 years old and they're like, I can't watch this anymore. You know, like they, they, for society told them they shouldn't watch it anymore. So they stopped. Right. There's always closet wrestling fans. There's probably some closet wrestling fans on here listening. So, oh, yeah, totally. It happens. I, I see it all the time. There's really no shame in it. It's a great business. Um, people risk their health. They risk. This is their livelihood. It's very serious. Um, it's predetermined. Yes, but not fake. So. What I always laugh about when it is, is two things. One, it's not only that there are so many quote unquote closet wrestling fans. It's that when you find each other out in the open, you know, like you, you can't believe that the other person like exists. And it's like, all you want to do is geek out over that thing. And it's so like almost anywhere you you go, you can like just do a Ric Flair woo out loud in public and you're almost guaranteed to get a random response, a random woo in return from someone else who just happens to be in the square or wherever they might be. Right. The other thing that I think is so incredible about this is that um, when people say, oh, like, you know, it's fake. Right. And I, and I just like you, I'll say, well, it's scripted. It's not fake. But on top of that, I'm like, yeah, but do you know, the like the the funniest thing about all of this is that when we as wrestling fans comment on what we're watching, we say, I can't believe the writers booked them that way. <laughs> right. Like we talk about it through the lens of the production of the show itself because we know it's a production. But you know what? No one says, oh, I can't believe the writers booked Phoebe to not fall in love with Ross. And they, they, <laughs> they picked. No, they say, oh, I can't believe Ross and Rachel ended up getting to, right? I can't believe Phoebe. I, so it's like we understand it as a production, whereas whenever whenever anyone else watches any other type of content, they treat it as if it is like the real thing. So it's like, you know, we've got the wool pulled, the, like, you know, we've got the upper hand on everybody as wrestling fans. Except for the Oscars. This or that. Will Smith and Chris Rock has been very pro wrestling like. So it's really I, I was trying to explain that we were at an Oscars uh, friend's <laughs> Oscars party and I was like literally trying to explain to everyone there. I was like, this is pro wrestling. The fact that we are debating <laughs> Was this supposed to happen or you know, this was, was it kayfabe or was it a shoot or what? <laughs> it was the most strangest thing. I'm surprised WWE hasn't taken any um, shots at it yet. Maybe they will have a WrestleMania. You know? I, 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 Vince McMahon seems like someone who would easily yeah. capitalize on that. The fans are very invested in pro wrestling. And I always say like, there is no fan base like pro wrestling on the planet mm -hmm. bar none. Like people know it in and out sometimes too much. Um, business is not protected enough. I'm afraid to say people forget that you need to have a surprise. Yeah. So when you had that genuine reaction, you didn't read about it on a dirt sheet. So like, you know, it's important to try to don't read every little bit and take it at face value. Not all of it's true. 
So right, I'm with you on that. I actually, you know, one of my friends, we kind of have this like pact that our goal is to try and just enjoy it and not not enjoy it through the lens of analyzing it, but just enjoy it through the lens of being a fan. And I I really unless because it's hard to avoid if like I don't know like because Google you know knows everything about you when they like show you the article that they think you'd want to see in which case I'm clicking, but otherwise like I make an effort to not proactively seek out spoilers or anything like that. Cause like, you know, I don't know if you recall, like this would have been five, six years ago at this point um, on in WWE, Shane McMahon made his return. Right. And that pop was crazy. And watching it at home, I was like, Oh my God. And then like that feeling of really genuinely being surprised is a good feeling to have. And I like that more than saying, yep. I, I read about that. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. You know, I think it's important to allow yourself to be a fan. When I go mm-hmm. to WrestleMania week, I'm trying not to be a promoter at that point. I just want to take it in. And I want to just remember why I love this business. Because sometimes when you're caught up in the day to day, sometimes you don't love it as much, you know, and it does require love to be in pro wrestling. To It is a love-hate relationship sometimes, but at the end of the day, you really do love it, you know, like to, to do what you do. On that note, I am curious to hear, like, once you're kind of like behind the curtain in life, if you will, um, with whatever industry that you're in, uh, it's hard to like, like for, let me, let me phrase this a better way. I work with a lot of startups on their pitch to where it's nearly impossible for me to see a pitch anywhere and not automatically go into like analysis mode of it versus just truly sitting back and absorbing it in the wrestling business. Are, like, do you find it hard, you know, let's say you just attend an event as a fan. It's not an event you put on. You attend someone else's event. Are you able to sit there and just watch it as a fan? Or are you actually like breaking down in your head how the match is constructed and all like the behind the scenes stuff? I find myself, um, I do two things. I like to watch the crowd. I want to see how they're reacting. I want to see what they got out of it. And then I'm, and I can't help but think I'm scouting when I watch a match. Like, do I want to put this person on my show at some point, whether I can get them, truly get them now, if I'm at an AEW show or if I'm at a WWE show one day, will I work with this person? Because it's much different to see it on TV than it is to see it live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's hard because you're watching for how did it, you know, every little nuance, but at the same time, you know, I've been to WrestleManias. I, I'm not obviously going to this one this time, but I, I like to just sit back and be a fan, especially during WrestleMania, the biggest show, the Super Bowl of pro wrestling. Um, I remember being, I, I think it was Orlando or, or Miami. I don't know which city when the Hardys came. And oh, that, I that was a huge reveal. Yeah. And there's a, the other moment I remember what blew me away was when the undertaker retired in new Orleans. Mm. Um, it was just this unbelievable. I think it was new Orleans. It was unbelievable. The audience was truly like, well, no, I think it was Florida that same night. It was truly like, no, know. that was the same. Like when he like put the yeah. tape in the ring and everything. It was about that a midnight was... show. We were all pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was really shocking. Yeah. Like, but then he just really, came back anyways. <laughs> yeah, he still came back. But at the time we're like, this is it. This is, yeah. and you can, and that's the one time probably the whole business felt like a fan because you're yeah. like, this is the undertaker and this is a big deal. Right. Right. Now, and you mentioned like you're watching the crowd and everything like that. One thing even I've observed in myself the last few years as I've gotten into ring announcing is I very like closely watch the posture of the ring announcer, for example. How are they using intonation in certain ways to get one person over versus get, you know, make one person be the bad guy or the bad girl? Um, 
And even like, I think what's interesting is seeing different production elements, right? Which I think you'll notice too. Like when I, even when I watch AEW on TV, which for those who don't know, that's like the, of the last three years, like the bigger startup wrestling that's kind of formed competition as compared to the WWE and it's on TBS uh, here in the United States. Um, I even like, will pick up on, huh, I don't necessarily like, or I think they could improve on the fact that they don't leave any gap of time between when one wrestler's song and ends and the next one begins. And I'm like, if they had a two second pause there, they could build a little bit of like, you know, energy before the next person's music hits. Right. It's good to study. I mean, we, we all can learn, you know, um, including the big boys, you know, so it's like uh, in this business, especially in pro wrestling and in any business, you know, obviously there's you know, people listening right now that are not in pro wrestling or have nothing to do with pro wrestling. You have to always be uh, doing professional development. I find it to be very important. I want to make sure our audience gets more than you and I just, just, just marking out on pro wrestling <laughs> as an industry and as a sport uh, during this show. So let me, uh, let me pull myself back here and, <laughs> and let's get more into our main theme for today, which is building relationships with hard to reach people. And I think the best sort of um, jump off to this is, can you talk through the journey of how you had the concept for masters of ring entertainment in the first place and what is it like getting started in a bit in this industry, especially as you said, you know, being a minority of a minority? Yeah, it was almost a happy accident. You know, it wasn't something I had told myself when I was in college that I was going to go become a promoter. That wasn't the plan. I went to school for ironically journalism and creative writing. And after, the, you know, to give you guys a full scope of my career, I had jumped into marketing and I spent the last 10 or so years doing nothing but social media marketing. Um, at the time, it, toward the end of that, I had formed a partnership and it didn't quite work out, but it gave me the courage to go forward with Masters of Entertainment. Um, the name came from a friend of mine in the business. It was WCW's The Stro. He let me use the name. I thought, this is an amazing name. Can I use it? He let me use it. And the rest is history. Um, but, you know, well, how I started out was I, I was at the time and going from New York city to Wilmington, North Carolina. And I thought North Carolina is a good wrestling area. Always has been. Why not Wilmington? So I had intentionally thought this would be like a TV town. And so I developed shows in Wilmington. Didn't quite turn out that it would end up like that, at least for now, maybe that will change. But, um, you know, we spent a couple of years in Wilmington doing shows. Um, I ended up going by myself at, with masters at ring entertainment about a, a year or so in. And so um, I'm very proud of everything that I was able to accomplish in Wilmington and Kenansville, North Carolina. For you guys who don't know, it's uh, Southeast North Carolina where Michael Jordan grew up. Um, so, you know, it was a great place to learn and get better and develop these events. And now I'm relocated to High Point. So now we're doing our next big show in June. Now, whether someone is a startup founder trying to get in front of investors, trying to get that, you know, that big enterprise customer, or they're even just like a salesperson or a marketer who's trying to get a response to a cold email, let's say, right, from a potential customer, um, or whether it's pro wrestling, right, where pro wrestling is historically, as we said before, one of the most closed door, you have to know somebody, right, you have to have an in, you have to almost be born in the business, right, to get that in. How do you advise someone like start building relationships um, in what is perceiving is perceivably this closed door type of industry? And, and 
And I think that same thing applies like for startup founders who are trying to raise capital, right? Investment, the investment game is oftentimes in many places, a closed door industry. So how do you advise getting started and, and, and building relationships at the, in the first place? I would say you have to make yourself memorable from the beginning and you have to respect those who became before you. You know, that's that's wrestling 101 and it's life 101, you know, certainly be able to go in and be proud of who you are, but stay humble and realize you're just starting out. And even though I've been doing marketing and sales now for, I don't know, 11 years, I'm every day I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I am following people that have done it very well, like Grant Cardone and others out there. Um, and with wrestling, you know, you, no matter how many days you, you've been in it, you're, there are people before you who have done it long t- longer than you have, and they come from a family pedigree. So you have to respect the people that came before you. Don't, you know, always be honest and ethical. I think it's very important to be a truth teller. Um, there's a lot of, if I can be frank, BS that happens in life and in wrestling, and you've got to be discerning. Um, and that goes for your any anyone's career. You know, you have to be able to understand what you're looking at and take a step back. You know, it's important to not to be reactionary as far as connections and, and how do you build up your portfolio? Just be willing to meet people halfway and do what they don't expect you to do. You know, do something to give back to the business in some way. It, it, wrestling is very circular. You know, um, it can go up, it can go down and so can marketing and sales. So, you know, you just got to, I think being memorable is the big, a big part of it. You know, like I said, I think it's important to make yourself stand out because just like in sales, for example, there's a lot of noise. People are getting approached all the time and don't give up. It is not wrestling, especially is not a quick business. Many years, a lot of sweat, a lot of money being spent. Um, you know, you're going to get scars, you know, from falling down, but you know, what's worth it to you in the end for me, it's to create memories. I want families to have memories with each other, friends to have memories with other, with each other and with our wrestlers. Um, we are all connected. That's why we do this. It's not because wrestlers want to go beat each other up and, and potentially be crippled. You know, it's not just about money, but it's about that relationship with fans and wrestlers, wrestlers and promoters. So if you do business the right way in wrestling or in life, you're going to be around. You're going to make it happen. Um, you can't give up. It does require a lot of tenacity. When we worked together on your pitch, and that was really like the big angle that we took, right, was like this idea of like, like Moore's unique value is this fan connection, right? Building relationships with fans, getting close to fans in, you know, in a way that maybe other shows try and keep things separate, right? Like don't touch the wrestlers, don't talk to the wrestlers, stay away, right? You're doing like the exact opposite of that, which is let's all be in this together, right? Get that photo, have that conversation, et cetera. Sit very close, those kinds of things. Um, As you were talking through that, through, through what you just said, there's two questions that came to mind for me. One of them is, you said, you know, when you're starting out, it's like you've got to be able to stand out, but also be humble at the same time and, and know that you're just starting out. So when you think back to like, let's say the first show you were putting together, it's, you know, it's almost like it's different when Google wants to talk to anyone because everyone has heard of the name Google before, right? Versus a company just getting started. So like, you're kind of just pitching an idea at that point, right? So how are you getting people to be part of this? How are you getting wrestlers involved in a, in a promotion, in a, in a league, if you will, that 
hasn't had a track record yet. You, you know, your, your, your relationship building from what you potentially have done. Um, in my situation, I had a background, I had worked with some uh, wrestlers in the past from a marketing perspective, but I hadn't promoted, you know, so really a lot of, uh, in the wrestling business, you're taking at face value until they physically work with you for the first time. And they can say for themselves, however, obviously, you know, if you're able to reference that you've worked with other people, you should certainly do that. Um, in my situation, our first event was Jim Cornette. Um, a legendary figure in pro wrestling, the concept he loved. And so we were able to say, okay, you know, do you have any problem with any of these people we want to bring in? Just want to make sure it's all good. He had no issues, you know? So like you're, you want to take care of the people you're working with. You're putting on a production, you're putting on a show um, and then bringing it to the people. You just want to take this idea that you believe in so much and you think it's going to work. And you say, look, this is, we've never done. It. It's a lasting legacy, a tribute to Jim Cornette. This is not a roast. This is an actual tribute event. We had Dan Severin as part of the MCs with Bill Apner. You know, it was, it was an incredible event. Tag team wrestlers is just uh, very special, you know. And so people did like the concept. They did want live wrestling. So we did a live wrestling show beforehand, a fan fest. So we had two events in one day. So it worked out really nicely. So, I mean, when you're, when you're trying to get out there and decide, you know, with proof of concept, you just got to do it. If you believe in it, do it. And so like, we've always operated my, my personal belief was how would I feel if I were going to attend this event? You know, like I want to have that experience. I want the fan to know. I thought, I thought about them the whole time, you know, like, are they going to get the most out of this event? Are they going to say at the end of the night, that was the best 40 bucks or whatever it was I spent. And we still have incredible fan testimonials. We still have people talking about our shows from three years ago. You know, like you can't ask, there's no price tag on that, mm-hmm. you know? And I think with, if anybody that's building a startup and wants to think about how, how to get the, their dream across, you got to be willing to go all out, you know, be yeah. willing to promote it, back it with all your heart. Um, make sure your pitch is more than just a pitch on paper. You got to live and breathe what you want to do. You know, do you want to work for somebody else or do you want to work for yourself? And so you make that conscious decision. You drive the bus, you have to help people believe in what you're doing. And that's what wrestling is. We make people believe. Um, there's plenty of fans out there who really don't care that it's fake and they really believe that this is legitimate. And it is legitimate. You know, it's just a matter of being predetermined. So mm-hmm. a person's startup business is the same way. You've got a food truck. You feel strongly about it. Get it out there. Just do it. Prove it to yourself. And you can make changes. It doesn't have to be perfect. You're going to fail. I've failed. It's not fun, but you, you, you get up and you do it and it makes you a better person. Um, it makes you a better uh, business person all the way around. So you mentioned that with Jim Cornette, you know, that was like the first person you took this to, you said he loved the concept. Do you recall what you were pitching to him as concept at that point? Well, it was really like, we're going to do a tribute event for you. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we want to, we want to make you look amazing. (laughs) What do you think? Which is, wait, but that's right. Right. You just kind of were like, we want to like put you on a platform essentially. Right. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, you know, this is not a roast. You want to be super clear because roasts have been done. Roasts happen, you know, um, and you know, hear who we have in mind, you know, like this is who we feel are important to your career. You know, so it was a bit of a collaboration, but he was game and he was a pleasure to work with. I would um, have nothing but positive things to say about Jim. And I think that spills into one of the other points you mentioned, which is like this idea of if you're going to start building relationships and trying to get in touch with people, 
that notion of like giving more than you take. And, and it's, it sounds like even right off the bat, that's what you were doing. You went to someone in the business and you said, I want to, I want to give this thing to you, as opposed to saying, I have this idea for a show I want to put on. What can you do for me? Yeah. I mean, really something like that, the tribute events are very collaborative. They have to be, or it, it's really not going to work. You know, we did the first ever tribute to women wrestling with Trish and Amy and um, little Egypt and Lisa Marie. I mean, we had everybody, we worked so hard at that show, you know, to make sure we tried to touch every generation possible um, with what, you know, limitations that we had in terms of time. And of course, there's always a budget in mind, right? So like, we gave the fans something truly special. You know, we had people come from all over the country, we had a fan fly from the Middle East to attend that show. Like, I had never when I put that concept together, I did not even imagine that was going to happen. Like that blew me away. There is no greater compliment than somebody who will fly across the globe to see your show as an independent pro wrestling company. So that show put us on the map. I feel more, you know, it just did. We had great momentum with Cornette and then we had the women's event right after that. Um, and that show is very special to me as a woman in the business, helping honor people that I admired growing up was, um, it will always be probably my favorite show. I want to talk more about that in a second. First, I actually want to go back to, you talked about like, you know, you have to keep a budget in mind, right? So as you're recruiting talent for a show, when I say, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like you're, 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 you're pulling in pro wrestlers, like you're calling them up. Um, I've got a couple questions in that line specifically. One, is it just like, Hey, we can pay you this much. Do you want to do the show? Like, I, how, how are you pitching the wrestlers themselves? I mean, usually you're either dealing with an agent or a wrestler directly. It just okay. depends. Um, and it's really just usually a professional email. It's not really like you can pick up the phone and call John Cena and say, hey, John, you want to work my show? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's delicacies to it. You want to present yourself professionally. You have to remember these guys are getting pitched by people that really have no business promoting. Um, there are people out there that will run a 20 person audience show. And that was never for me. If I ever got to that point, I'm going to walk away. Um, there's a lot of time and energy and emotional investment to do something like this if you love it so much. So the, the moment I start doing a show, I am, I am giving it my all every day, you know, to make sure that it all checks out. Because at the end of the day, Masters of Ring Entertainment is signed by Bambi Weevil. I have to sleep at night. I have to know I gave it my best. And I think anybody in business, you created this LLC, you created this ink, at the end of the day, John Doe, you signed up for this. So like you have to be prepared to take everything that goes along with it. The, the tears, the, the amazing feeling that the days you're upset because something didn't go right. Like it's a very human thing, you know, but it's special. It's yours. It's something you did that you can be proud of, you know. So if you entrepreneurs are a special breed. You know, we all have that in common. We have to really get ourselves up and work and, and work and work because, you know, if, if you don't do it, nobody else will. One thing you've talked about that's been a theme throughout this episode has really been the idea of like knowing what your fans want. And I just want to take a step back from the conversation for a moment and talk directly to our listeners. Your fans are everywhere, right? Which includes your website. And knowing who's on your website is important. And so the question I have to ask our listeners is, do you hate Google Analytics? Maybe you're raising your hand right now. I know I have a lot of frustrations with it because understanding where and why I lose site visitors before they convert is hard. 
Because with Google Analytics, there's always this like integration challenge or sorting through a mountain of data just to figure out what's causing my leads to drop off. And again, these leads are like potential fans, right? And you got to know what do they want and what do they like? And that's why I was excited to learn of a better way to measure website analytics. And that better way is Oribi. Oribi is a unique marketing analytics tool that captures all the events visitors perform on your website, and here's the kicker, without using code. So Oribi enables you to analyze visitor behavior patterns, build smart funnels, and get tons of insights so you always know what your next step is. And what does that mean? Finally, you're able to understand your visitors and then know what to change in order to convert them more or convert them better, which means no more operating your website with blind spots. To start your free trial, visit oribi.io slash today. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash today. And as a partner of the show, you can use the coupon code HYPEMAN, H-Y-P-E-M-A-N, all one word. Use the coupon code HYPEMAN for 20% off of any plan. That's oribi.io slash today. And use the coupon code HYPEMAN for 20% off of any plan. Today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, we are here with Bambi Weevil, the founder of Masters of Ring Entertainment. Now, Bambi, right before the break there, we were talking about this idea of like the fan experience and then how you use that first show as the launch pad to do your your tribute to women in wrestling show, which is the first of its kind that's ever been done, right? Um, Tribute show, all female card. Um, Did did you find then, like once you got that in in with the first show, were you able to leverage the the clout, let's say, that you developed from that to just start like dialing people up or sending out emails and saying, we want to get you on our card for this next show and it's going to be this thing? I think it helped. You know, you certainly want to reference who you've worked with in the past that would have a positive thing to say about you, be willing to back you up. Um, I do that with people now, even six, seven years later, I still reference if you have any doubts, you're welcome to call these people. Um, I do that because I want the you know first time touching somebody in terms of an email or a phone call that I'm legitimate and I'm willing to put my neck on the line that I trust the person I'm referencing will tell you that it was a positive experience. So yes, it did help. Um, and it really is, people don't realize, especially in pro wrestling, that first impression is everything, whether it's you shaking their hand at the meet and greet table or sending them an email because you want them on your show. So that said, I'm actually, I think that that's, that leads into my next question really well, because I think when you're dealing with people who are considered important, right. And I'll, I'll tell you, I would consider, you know, you have Kurt Angle coming up on a show. I would consider an Olympic gold medalist someone who's in the WWE Hall of Fame, someone who had legendary matches, right? I would consider him to be someone who's an important person. So a lot of times I feel like people, people believe when, they're, when they are meeting, when they're dealing with someone important, that you have to put on a front, if you will, to like appeal to them. How, would you, how much would you say you have to balance this idea of like a front slash professionalism with authenticity at the same time? Well, for me, it's one and the same. I'm professional and I'm authentic. It's not a front. You know, I'm going to treat you like I treat everyone else. But I also understand that these guys have been treated badly and you're recovering for people's past mistakes, even though I have nothing to do with somebody being burnt. You know, um, that happens a lot in wrestling. You don't know what they have dealt with before they get in front of you to work your show. And every day is a new day. And that goes for any business. Um, You know, some are more high profile than others. 
I will say that everybody I've worked with has been very professional and it's, it, you know, it's like do unto others, the golden rule, you mm-hmm. know, it, it applies in everything you do. Um, you, as a promoter, or as a business person, you hold up your end of the deal. You can't be responsible for how it translates. You can only do what you're supposed to do and what is expected and really rise above the occasion. I do my best to make sure these guys, you know, they're appreciated and they're going to be treated fairly right and sometimes exceed their expectations. And that's really important to me. So with that in mind, then it is a relationship, right? You both need to make sure you get something out of this and you're doing your part to you know, put your best for, foot forward for them. How do you ensure that it is a relationship that gets created and not just this like one way, almost like master servant kind of thing? <laughs> well, it's like any um, freelance agreement, right? These guys don't work for you 300 days a year like they did the WWE. So really, it's important to do what it's agreed, whether they have a match or a meet and greet or both. They do their obligations. You see how they interact with fans. Um, as a promoter, I have to make sure I do my part. Everything is the way a contract is laid out. Um, that The tra- travel accommodations are um, exactly spelled out the way they wanted it. Um, and that it's a smooth um, event. It's a smooth event. You want it to be as WWE as you can. I really believe that um, because that's what they're used to. That's what they had. They experienced that ex- corporate experience. And I do my best to give them that. I want them to have the creative freedom to work like they do in AEW. I find that to be a very strong suit of AEW um, and be able to do what they need to do to be themselves and to give the fans what they can do as themselves as a brand. They are brands themselves solo to masters, you know, they bring them themselves. They bring their value. I bring my value as a promoter to help bring fans in to see them. It's a win-win. You can't ask for anything more than that. And is that how you then determine like when you see their work, once they are appearing at that autograph signing or fighting in a, you know, in a mat wrestling in a match on your card, are you also then kind of like assessing based on how they've carried themselves throughout the process are you like kind of saying to yourself, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing relationship or, or versus like, I think this will probably be the one time we have them on and we, we may not work with them again. Well, you make that final um, thought after it's over, you know, um, a show day for me, it's the day everybody arrives, which is usually the day before, depending on how it's booked. And then everybody went home and you go return to your home and you decompress that's when you start figuring out what's the next step, because that's what happens. You know, you just completed something you spent months working on in my situation. I don't run every month. A lot of promoters run every month. I run currently once a year. I'm hoping to change that where it's more frequent now that I'm in high point full time. Um, But it is, you know, of course, it's just like the independent wrestlers, the ones that are not on TV who are trying to get to the big leagues, right? I judged them as much as I judge anyone else. How did they show up to the appearance? How often did they promote the appearance? How did they conduct themselves in front of myself, my family, my coworkers, the fans? Like everything matters. It's just like um, any job or anything right. you show up to. How did you do? You know, like it's nothing different. You know, it's very much like, you know, um, does this work? The fans show up for this. Do they pop pop meeting? Do they cheer for this? Do they react to this? So it's, it sounds like it's very much uh, on both sides. It's very much a priority on placing ego to the side and really prioritizing the audience above all else. 
But yeah, you have to. Your job at the end of the day is to serve the people buying tickets. You know, for me as a promoter, I have to honor the people that I casted. Right. I brought them in. They didn't have to take my booking. They chose to. Um, and I, you know, it's a double uh, serve for me. You know, make it right there. Make it right with the fans. Yeah. The final question I have before we hit our wrap up is as you look at the landscape of professional wrestling, and I think what we're seeing now, probably more than we ever have in the past, if ever before, is this like, and I think because, you know, the curtain has been lifted on the entire industry, is this like crossover happening, right? Where you're seeing different, um, you're seeing different organizations collaborate with other organizations kind of in the way, I don't know, like North face and Gucci will collaborate on a new bag or a new jacket. Um, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing WWE acknowledge other leagues exist when they never really did that before. Right. You're seeing AEW have like active partnerships, uh, with places like impact. And then they're even bringing on impact wrestling's world champion onto their own TV, holding that belt. So how do you feel like, like what's your assessment on the future of wrestling in terms of relationship building at the, like the corporate level, if you will, with other organizations, whether it's independent or fully established? Well, I think just like in anything, you should choose your partners carefully um, to not oversaturate your message and to make sure that your brand equity is intact. So for me on the independent circuit, I keep my circle small. Um, one of my best friends is Tracy Myers. who runs WrestleCade slash AML wrestling. And I work with him. I work with um, Hangtime with his academy as well, um, very closely in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I keep my circle small. Um, you know, I work with, I would work with AEW, I work with NWA if they permitted me, Impact Wrestling. I had done some stuff with the past in terms of working with their stars. You know, we have Penta coming in from AEW, of course. So, you know, you just have to be very careful on how you choose. Now, in terms of the big league, it's exciting to see these forbidden doors, like having Mickey James show up at the Royal Rumble, you know, mm -hmm. like never, ever. It didn't even ever think that would happen. It was a huge deal. Now it's starting to come more and more, which is great. You know, I, I just hope it's always for the right reasons and that everybody gets something out of it. Let's begin our wrap up. First off, Bambi, where can our listeners find you? Where can they find more? Where can they learn more? No pun intended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can go to mastersofringentertainment.com or morewrestling.com for short. We have a big event coming up on June 11th in High Point at Truist Point, the home of the High Point Rockers, the minor league baseball team. Very excited. It's our first show back in two years. So um, you can reach me there or on LinkedIn. And uh, we're on all the social medias. Bambi, who is one person who you want to give a shout out to? It could be some of your talent. It could be a a co-worker it could be a professional contact anybody oh wow i just want to thank my team you know i have a great support team with my family and some friends in the business like james hunter um tony james um jason as well you know like i'm very blessed and you know you are nothing without your team my team is growing behind the scenes there are people like steven deangelis our announcer who's helping for this show and has been very supportive over the years um and uh i'm just very grateful for people that believe in our vision we will now do our top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on our discussion today. I'll go first and I'll toss it over to you. Our topic today was building relationships with hard to reach people. My top two things that I wrote down, and there was a ton of good stuff in this episode. Like I, 
I wrote, I have an entire page of, of, of notes here that I was jotting down during this. Um, I think the two things that really stood out to me were one, as you said, you have to live and breathe your pitch. It's not just something you say, it's something you live and breathe. The other thing that I had never considered before is whenever you meet someone, you are actually recovering from other people's past mistakes with that person. And, it, and it's not necessarily fair, but it is the fact, right? They have had some interaction in the past that is automatically coloring how they're going to interact with anybody in the future. And if you understand that out of the gate, I think it creates a certain extra level of empathy. And, and to be, I'm, I'm serious when I say I have never heard that fr- I've never heard someone say that before. I've never even heard that idea or concept before. So that really was game-changing, the fact that you said that. Bambi, your top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners today on building relationships with hard-to-reach people? I would say, number one, you're always in selling mode. You know, you're selling yourself, you're selling your dream, you know, and they've heard it all before, except you're you and you want to really dial in to what makes you special, what makes you, what's your unique value proposition, as they say, right? Um, Number two is be willing to be transparent, authentic, and understand that, you know, like you said, it is true. You're dealing with people's wounds, just like you are in relationships when you date somebody, right? You're dealing with wounds. So you've got to be perceptive to know that it's not personal, but sometimes you have to really win them over and, you know, be prepared for that. And at the end of the day, if you win them over, you're good. No, you're good. You did your job. You did what you're supposed to do. You overcame the odds. Um, And in wrestling, it's very, um, it's very critical. You know, it's something that we are, we all deal with on an unconscious level um, and just do your best. My final question, which is how we end every episode on this show, fill in the blank, Bambi. Entrepreneurship is blank. Worth it. Say more on that. <laughs> hey, it's a fill in the blank. <laughs> um, no, it's worth it because, um, you know, you get the time freedom, you get your creativity freedom, you know, being able to go wherever you want, do whatever you need to do, and you control the outcome. You know, it does require discipline and it requires um, drive. And if you have that, you can hang on, you can do it and be, be prepared to pivot, be, be prepared to create new ideas the rest of your life. You know, um, I think entrepreneurs dream big entrepreneurship is worth it. She is Bambi Weevil, the founder of Masters of Ring Entertainment. Bambi, thank you so much for joining today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Thank you. I had a good time. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and leave a rating and review in your podcast app or do us one better. Hit the share button. Send this episode to one friend who you think needs to hear it. While you're on your way out, don't forget to follow Startup Hype Man on Instagram and LinkedIn at Startup Hype Man. And remember, you can also connect with today's guest as well. They left their contact info. They love hearing if what they shared helped you in any way. StartupHypeMan.com is the place to catch the full 17 season archive and learn all about how to pitch your startup. We'll see you next week. But until then, stay hyped. Raj Nation out.